You are a slave, Neo. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage, born into a prison that you cannot smell or taste or touch. A prison for your mind. And welcome back to Coaching with the Bible Passover Edition. This is episode 134, season 3, episode 25. Portion of the week is the portion known as Tzav in Hebrew. It's the second portion in the book of Leviticus, the third book of the five books of Moses. And I hope you are having a stellar week. If you're a Met fan, then yesterday was a good day. But let's be honest, they do this to us every year. So at least let's bask in the glory and the joy of yesterday knowing that who knows what's going to happen next. But but with the holiday of Passover just a few days away, there's a lot on the mind, a lot on the plate, a lot to think about, a lot to talk about. And we're going to talk about that quote that we opened with. That's a quote from the original Matrix movie. It's a speech delivered by Morpheus, played by Lawrence Fishburne, to Neo, played by Keanu Reeves. And it's one of the key moments in that film, and it's the subject of the week, which is slavery. Slavery as a subject is difficult to talk about, mainly because I don't think anyone in the audience who listens to the podcast uh, has ever actually experienced slavery, physical slavery. We do our best to recount the story and tell the story, read the verses, the commentaries, the texts for the Passover Seder. We do our best to even reenact to a degree that we can. But it's hard to get into that space of actual slavery. There's a great book that I have uh, about the Seder itself. It's called Creating Creating Lively Passover Seders. Uh, yes, it's a very large book, it happens to be. And it goes chapter by chapter, different things that people can do to enhance and to increase the quality and value of the experience of their Seder. And one of the sections is about how to talk about slavery. And it goes through a couple of ideas, reading out some you know, diaries and writings of people who were slaves in the United States recounting their stories. That's sort of more contemporary, but it's hard to get there. Perhaps we could choose some of the modern forms of slavery that still exist. Now, there is still slavery in the world. It's not eradicated. I actually met a man a number of years ago named Charles Jacobs. I don't know if any of you know him, but Charles Jacobs, in fact, had actually freed slaves in Africa. Um, he's a gentleman from the Boston area. He had heard about this situation and he went to Africa and he freed slaves, thousands of them. It's fascinating to hear it from him. But if we talked in the space of something like human trafficking, child labor, actual slaves, like I just mentioned, then at least there's a sense in the modern world about what a little bit of a taste of that slavery was, is. 
But the truth is, the slavery that I wanted to focus in on, and the slavery that I wanted to speak of specifically today here with you, coaching with the Bible, Passover edition, chapter 3, is what's called the slavery of the mind. Because it is possible that a person is, say, physically free, but mentally they're still enslaved. There's a psychological slavery that's going on in their mind. And it's something that I think acutely we all on some level suffer from. We'll get into it in just a couple of moments, but let's step back for just a second and talk about Egypt and slavery. Egypt was the epitome of the slave culture in the day, slaves from their own people and slaves from other nations who were either captured in war, whatever it was, bought, And obviously, being a slave was not an easy life. The Midrashic literature talks about the idea that no one ever escaped from Egypt. That Egypt was closed and closed upon itself, that it was impossible for a person to get out. And then when it is that we actually talk about the slavery that took place in Egypt and we recount the experience not, as I mentioned before, not as history, but as memory, and we retell the story, we relive the story, we behave in a manner in which it was us who left Egypt, as we say in the actual Haggadah text on the night of the Seder, at the table on Passover. We're all obligated as if we were the ones who left Egypt. We do get specific. The four languages of redemption do distinguish between different aspects of what it was that God freed the people of Israel from. So the first one is that God took us out of the bondage, being under the thumb, let's say, of the Egyptians. The second one, God rescued us from the work. Those are two different aspects of effectively the same ultimate process going on. It goes on. And so what we have to appreciate, though, is that the Egypt of the mind, which is the term I think we could think about, which is different than the physical slavery that the people of Israel experienced, the mental, psychological, emotional slavery went with them into the desert. It didn't leave when they left Egypt. It stayed with them. In a beautiful uh, Haggadic commentary that I came across this year, I'm not sure if it's from this year or from prior years, rabbi by the name of Rabbi Haggai London wrote a commentary on a sort of a different plane with respect to the text that goes on at the Seder on Passover night. And it's about the soul. It's about the human spirit, the person yearning for freedom from the slavery of, on some level, the physical world, but more, excuse me, specifically, but the slavery of the mind. That the Egypt of the mind is with us at all times, and we are at all moments working to free ourselves of the Egypt of the mind, to live spiritually, emotionally, psychologically free 
to be able to do the things and accomplish the things that we want to do in our lives. And so that's where I want to focus for today and ask the question, what are your slaveries? Again, I'm using that term because it's simply the term that's here. You can appreciate that it's not the same as what went on in Egypt, nor am I drawing any parallels to those who experienced slavery at some point in their lives in the modern world or are connected to or related to people who experienced slavery in countries around the world over time. When I think about slaveries, I'm thinking about what are the things that are holding you back? What are the things that wrap you up and keep you from doing and accomplishing the things that you want in life? It's fears. The thoughts that run through your head. Is it addiction, which is well beyond the scope of this podcast, but are there some level of fears that you have that you've convinced yourself of and that holds you back? Is there past history in your life that's holding you back from accomplishing the things that you want to accomplish in life, in the world? And so when it is that a person is suffering from slavery of the mind, they are not necessarily in control of their thoughts. It could be a person who's not necessarily in control of their own belief system. Slavery of the mind can be inborn, and it can be nurtured and taught by external powers. It's imposed upon a person. And what happens then is the possibility that you are able now to believe things that aren't actually true. You're actually able to believe things that are fiction, that are false, that someone else has told you is true. An alternate history, an alternate narrative about different people. You can believe that they're inferior. You can believe that they can be and should be discriminated against. You can believe that a person can be hated or oppressed or even killed. And you might actually think any and all those things, not just about somebody else, but about yourself. And if any of that is true, then you are suffering from the slavery of the mind. And it's debilitating. Because effectively, you're not able to get to where you want to be in life. You're not able to experience the things that you want to experience in life. We see it with the people of Israel upon their departure from Egypt in the notion that they don't necessarily believe that they should be free. Believe at certain moments that they should go back to Egypt rather that they die there than die in the desert. Some of their anxiety, let's call it, later on is perhaps born of their experience and the lives that they have lived, not for one generation, but for multiple generations while in Egypt. So that when they are now freed, and now obviously living in a desert, that goes with them. 
it's with them for many, many years. It takes an entire generation of people to no longer be alive for the people ultimately to be able to go in to the land of Israel. And so we have to appreciate that this is part of the story and this is part of their experience and it's part of our experience. If you're part of a people that has been kicked out of lands all over the place throughout history, throughout the world, for a whole host of reasons and for some more obvious and more famous reasons, you can build in to your own life and experience some sort of slavery, stricture, limits. In some cases, yes, they are you know, subject potentially to punishment by powers that be in those places. But in other places, when a person is free, some of that goes with them and they're still able to experience it, feel it, or becomes the subject of dispute. And so you can read in books about the experience of first-generation individuals in free countries. So people coming to America, having been oppressed all over the world, and the mindset and the limiting beliefs, which we'll talk about more in just a moment, that exist for the generation of the immigrant, and the differences that exist in the mind and the mindset of the first generation of the new land, of the free country, how they experience it, how they live it, how they think about it, how they go forward into the future with it. And so slavery of the mind, as Morpheus talks about, is a real thing. Not the matrix, but the actual thing. And so we have to sort of begin to appreciate what exactly this means. How does this actually exist in our own lives? And then how do we work around it or through it to get to where we really want to be, to sort of be in that redemptive state? And obviously, if this week we're talking about slavery, next week we're going to talk about freedom. But let's go in there a little bit. Let's talk about what that means with respect to an individual and their mindset, their slavery mindset and what they believe. So the first thing is self-imposed limitations. A person they may believe that they're not good enough or that they're not particularly smart enough or they don't have the skill to excel in a certain part of life. And so they may avoid those opportunities entirely to either to learn or to improve in that area. So it's a self-imposed limit. I won't go there because I'm not good enough. Or there's some sort of, as I mentioned before, some sort of an internalized depression. There's this idea that because I've experienced something somewhere else, negative messaging, stereotyping about my identity, about who I am or what I am, so then I don't move into certain employment opportunities, certain things that come my way because I have this internalized oppression mentality that's part of my culture, that may actually be part of the larger culture, but it's something that I'm imposing into the situation because of what I'm feeling internally. So let's say it's certain part of the culture uh, that, uh, that avoids high tech, they avoid mathematics, they avoid sciences because well, people like us don't do that. We don't go into jobs and 
studies of that nature. Why? Because we never did. The third version here in terms of how people do this to themselves is sort of a learned helplessness. When it is that a person has experienced something in their life where they were not able to control the circumstances or the environment or the outcomes. And so in the future, when those things come up, they have an inborn learned approach that they stop to seek control or to gain influence. So a person who a couple of times has been passed over for an opportunity at work or project that keeps going to somebody else or even recognition that continues to go to other people, person begins to feel that they are helpless. They cannot change the situation. It's a learned helplessness. All of these fall into the space of some form of what I would call a limiting belief. And so when we do these kinds of things, we are putting ourselves in a position where we cannot succeed. Now, if a person is interested and is looking to work their way out of this and into this sort of what we'll call the redemptive, redemptive mind, as opposed to a slavery of the mind, redemption of the mind, freedom of the mind, there are things that we have to be mindful of, careful of, weary of, so that if in the fact that we do try to make the effort and it doesn't go well, or that we don't try to make the effort because of a variety of other reasons, that we do continue to push forward. So for example, negative self-talk, as we're beginning to sort of work our way through something, as we're trying to challenge the negative beliefs, it's easy to sort of slip into old habits and old patterns. So let's say you start um, eating better. You want to be healthier. You want to lose weight. You want to live longer, whatever it may be. You want to run that 5, 10K, whatever it may be. And so you start, you make the effort. You go out the first time and it's okay. The second time it's okay. Third time's a disaster. And now the self-talk begins to go in your mind. You are reverting back to the experience that you had Prior, and you're going back there. Negative self-talk. I've said it before, I say it again. If we said out loud the things that we say about ourselves in our own head, we would be thoroughly embarrassed because we are so tough on ourselves in our own mind. And the self-talk, especially the negative self-talk, is powerful and it's loud up there inside of our heads. So that's one of those things that we have to be paying attention to if it is in our interest or desire to actually get better. Fear of failure is obviously another one. I'm not going to try because I'm afraid I'm going to fail. I'm not going to exert the effort, not going to take risk because I'm fearful, mindful, weary, leery of failing. Even though we know that failure is part of the process of success. And so there's a lot of things that we do that are what we call the pitfalls of the mind that keep us from actually getting there and helping us succeed. And so if we're going to work through this, and if I was going to work through this, let's say I had a chance to coach the people of Israel upon their departure from Egypt, and now they're heading into the desert. So the large coaching session for the millions of people, where do you start? So you really start with identifying what those limiting beliefs are. 
what are the things, right? What are the things that, that effectively are holding you back from accomplishing and achieving the goals that, or the dreams that you have? They're called limiting beliefs. Based on past experience, culture, society, other factors. They hold us back from living up to our full potential. So the first thing that I would do is let's identify the limiting belief and then challenge then challenge the negative self-talk around and related to that limiting belief. Ask yourself if it's actually true. And then when you think about it, it is true. Is it true now? Or is it true then? So 25 years ago, that was true. Five years ago, that might have been true. Is it true now? Is it factual and actual now? And when you begin to appreciate that, that negative self-talk or the things that were going on back then aren't the case now, you begin to change. You begin to see things differently. But it takes the appreciation of the idea that this is a limiting belief. This is what's holding us back. This is what's the slavery of my mind. And this is keeping me from freedom. Harriet Tubman is quoted to have said, I freed a thousand slaves. I could have freed a thousand more if only they knew they were slaves. People don't necessarily appreciate or realize the slavery that they are suffering, the mental slavery that they're going through. So another quote that actually had no author is unknown. Mental slavery is the worst form of slavery. It gives you the illusion of freedom, makes you trust, love, and defend your oppressor while making an enemy of those who are trying to free you or open your eyes. These are all the case with respect to what's going on in mental slavery. So the first thing here is identifying the limiting belief, challenging it for its veracity and its truth in actuality now. And then I would start to work on setting realistic goals. Realistic, achievable, small step goals on a consistent basis. So I would identify, okay, this is the limiting belief, but this is where I really want to be. So I know that belief is there. Let's hold that on the side. Keep that in mind because we're going to come back to it if and when it is that we fail forward. We're going to come back to the limit, that limiting belief. We're going to remind ourselves of it even as we're working through it. So the first thing there is that's the limiting belief. That's the negative self-talk. That's what's going on in my head. Then I'm going to be really kind to myself self-care, compassion. I'm going to do things that make me feel good. Then I'm going to set these realistic and achievable goals that are right in line with what it is that I want to do. I'm going to also outline the pitfalls, the things I have to pay attention to that might hold me back from accomplishing that goal. Put that down also. So I have the goal I want. I have the let's say the achievable action steps that I want to take to get to the goal. I have the potential stumbling blocks written down next to it. And I'm now taking small, consistent action. I'm not trying to bite all of it off. I'm trying to get some of it done today and some of it done tomorrow. Then I'm going to celebrate the heck out of that little achievement. So if it's that getting up that first hill on that first run or it's 
rewriting that resume and sending it out for that job that you don't actually think you could get, but that's a limiting belief. Or if it's standing in front of an audience and not making a full speech, but just making a one-minute statement. Standing up in front of a classroom if you're a kid and talking, getting outside your comfort zone on a, you know, a, a, at a sporting event, on a field, whatever that may be, and I'm going to celebrate that little victory. Because this is how you break free of the slavery of the mind. This is how you work through the things that are holding you back in life. And this is how we can talk about it with our significant others, with our children, with our families. It's a way to bring the concepts of slavery into our conversations, into our talks, into our tables at the Seder, if we want to talk about slavery at the Seder with our families around the table, but really anywhere, these are conversations that we can have with our friends, with our family, with our loved ones, with our teams, with the people that we lead. What's holding you back? What's keeping you from succeeding? Is it true? What's that based on? How can we talk through the negative talk? What else can we say that's perhaps also true or actually true, which will make it easier for us? All these moves get us through, begin to break the chains of the slavery of the mind, and get us into a space of what we called redemptive mentality or redemptive mind, a freed mind, a mind and a, and a, and a person able to accomplish what it is that they are born to do in this world. Finished with a quote from Martin Luther King, as long as the mind is enslaved, the body can never be free. Psychological freedom, a firm sense of self-esteem, is the most powerful weapon against the long night of physical slavery. That is Coaching with the Bible for this week. I look forward, of course, as always, seeing you next week as we come upon the celebration of the holiday of Passover. Have a good one.